Well, hello and God bless you. Welcome to BlendCouragesYou.com, where we are here with the word of the Lord to encourage you to stay on the wall for the Lord. My name is Blend, and I praise God for this opportunity to come to you with this, the 32nd episode of our podcast. Well, listen, BCU family, we have another series coming up, starting it today, and it is all about overcoming people approval and disapproval. And I'll tell you what, the book of Nehemiah is going to walk us through how to do that. So listen, I want to give you a chance to go ahead and get your Bibles, get your notebooks, something to write with, a snack, and settle on in. Blank encourages you, is coming to you with lessons from the book of Nehemiah, overcoming people approval and disapproval. That's what's coming up next. All right, BCU family, so we are back with another study, and this is one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Nehemiah. What I love most about Nehemiah was his fortitude and steadfastness in doing the work of the Lord in the face of adversity. Let's dig in and talk about how we can take lessons from the book of Nehemiah and overcome people approval and disapproval. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we live and dare I say die and maybe not in a physical sense, but maybe in our hearts and minds with what God has given us are based on if people like what we are doing or not. And we have to understand that when God calls us to do something, we have to do it whether or not we've got a cheering section or not. And Nehemiah did just that. So we're going to go through uh, some of the chapters in Nehemiah. We've got to get some basics down. So as always, let's start at the beginning with Nehemiah chapter 1. So it's a good idea for you to read through Nehemiah chapter 1, and then we'll go through and highlight some of the things that went on there to give us some base and background. All right, BCU family, so overcoming people approval and people disapproval. That's what we're going to be studying with the aid of the book of Nehemiah. Yes, indeed. So before we get into that, we've got some pre-work that we need to do. And part of that pre-work is just setting you up for why the book of Nehemiah is even here or what's happened prior to us jumping in. So the people of Jerusalem were in captivity for 70 long years to the Babylonians. So Babylonians came in and took over everything. And sadly, it was because uh, the children of Israel were disobedient and didn't listen to God. And Jerusalem was pretty much in ruin and destroyed. So was the temple. So everything was just a mess. So after that 70-year captivity period, the Jews were allowed to go back to their homeland and they started to begin rebuilding the temple. And you can read all about that in the book of Ezra. Fascinating, you all. Fascinating read. So where Nehemiah comes in and picks up is, is that he's asking about how things are going on back home. So uh, Nehemiah 
was a cupbearer in the palace in Shushan. And we'll talk a little bit about those res- what those responsibilities entail as we get ready to wrap things up. So um, if we're looking at v- Nehemiah verses 1 and 2, that's just the inquiry. So it gives you a little bit of base here. And then verse 3, Nehemiah gets his question answered where his brethren say to him that the remnant that are left of the captivity that are in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and the gates are burned with fire. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, Blen, what does that have to do with anything? So while the temple, the beautiful temple was rebuilt, um, there were no walls and no gates. And the situation was, in biblical times, there were these big, thick, huge walls that surrounded cities, everybody. And those represented beauty, strength, and probably most importantly, protection. So imagine you've got this beautiful city and this beautiful temple all built, and you've got no protection surrounding it. Wild animals can get in. Uh, Weather situations can come in and mess things up. And also, enemies can just kind of come on in whenever they wanted to and plunder and get them back into a situation where they had the shame and reproach. So the walls were needed to actually, again, protect the city and the temple. Broken walls represent defeat and humiliation. The gates were also needed, those that were burned by fire. So those gates also needed to be repaired because gates were there to allow good things in and to kick bad things out. All right. So what I want to do here is just pause for just a little bit and let's talk about how these walls apply to our lives. So in talking with the Lord The question is, what walls are broken down in our lives? Hmm. Now, listen, I'm not talking about unauthorized walls that your flesh puts up because we stay mad. We are hurting. We're upset. We've determined in our heart that so-and-so is not going to hurt me anymore. I'm going to block them out all that sort of thing, that's a dangerous place to be. So I'm going to take an even more sidestep and talk about why. And then I'll get to what proper walls are. So improper walls are the ones, again, our flesh puts up. So in our last study where we talked about forgiveness, we learned that offenses will come in Matthew chapter 18. That's what we studied. And really, that's a part of the believer's life. And really, now that that I think about it, not just the believer, anybody, really, um, offenses are going to come. The thing is, is that those who are Holy Ghost filled and have asked, according to Acts 2.38, and have the Holy Ghost down on the inside, we're supposed to handle offenses differently than the world. Ephesians 4 and 26 says we are to be angry and sin not. We're not to let the sun go down on our wrath, meaning that we don't hold on to anger and hurt. We take it to the Lord and we take it to the person. If we need to go to them, if needful, that's what we do according to Matthew chapter 18. Otherwise, walls start to go up. 
and these are not the walls that God authorizes. All right. So in thinking about that, going to what walls we should have up, and I'm talking about figurative and not literal walls, of course, what we should have up are walls of discernment, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Are those walls broken down and in need of repair? Did we ask God about doing, saying, seeing, watching, going forth, what was lawful, what was expedient? Are those walls down and in need of repair? Let, let's talk about this. And, and I've got a scripture to back it up, you all. Proverbs 25 and 28 says that he, listen to this, he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. See how the Lord just tied that in together nicely. So we have to have some sort of walls up, if you will. And again, I'm talking in a spiritual sense. This is what the Lord allows. We can't allow any old person, place, or thing in our city. We have to think about our souls, if you will, as a city or as a temple. And we just can't let anything in. All right. So if we have the proper walls up, they will stop us from giving non-working scheming June bug our entire paycheck when the Lord said, don't do it. The proper walls that are up will stop you from letting people overstep their boundaries, whether that's physical, whether it is financial, so that you don't feel guilted into doing something that you don't want to do, or more importantly, that the Lord told you not to do. Having up the proper walls will stop you from being over bothered in your spirit about the person who repeatedly offends you. Because again, Matthew chapter 18 says the offenses are going to come. So when that person comes back to you again and again and again and again, if you've got the proper walls up, you're going to know how to deal with that in a way that pleases God. Having up the proper walls spiritually will stop you from letting the enemy take your mind, your heart, and your spirit over. So examine your walls, everybody. And if they are in disrepair, ask God to help you repair your walls. All right, BCU family, this is getting good to me. Let me see if I can get back to Nehemiah. Let's go to uh, Nehemiah again. We're still in chapter one, verse four. So when Nehemiah got the news that the walls were broken and in disrepair and that the gates were burned up, you know, this affected him. Verse four says that he sat down and wept and he mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So let's pause here. Nehemiah's concern for the people and the situation brought him to tears. When is the last time that we wept over someone that was in affliction and shame? Did we shake our heads and say, you know what, that's what happens when you... Did we say, I'm glad it's not me? For those of us, again, that have the Holy Ghost down on the inside... We should be moved in some way 
over the people that are in affliction and distress and shame and some of the situations that they face in this world because without Jesus in our lives, that could certainly be us. So what we want to do is have compassion and moreover, we want to go to these people as the Lord directs us and recommend Jesus to them. Next, and we are still in verse number four, Nehemiah said that he sat down and wept, yes, and he mourned certain days. He mourned certain days. So the emotional desire to weep, cry, and mourn is fine. That is something that God has put into us to do, and that's something that needs to happen. Notice, BCU family, that he did not cry and mourn for months and years on end. There does come a time where we need to go to the next step, and that is he fasted and he prayed. So the question to ask ourselves here is, do we pray and then react or do we react and then pray? Yeah, so we want to be sure that we pray first and then react with the help of the Lord. Psalm 62 and 8 says to trust in the Lord at all times and to pour out your heart before him. He is a refuge for us. So we don't want to go to Babu or to Tink or to Mama and them. We want to talk to the Lord first before we do anything. And Proverbs 3 and 6 is a promise. It says that if we acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, he will direct our paths. So what Nehemiah did was to pray and to fast, and then he got direction. So what this brings us to is in the following verses, we see how Nehemiah goes to God and how he prays rather than react out in the flesh. So in verse 5, Nehemiah opens up his prayer with praise. And he says, I beseech thee, O God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keeps the covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. In verses 6 and 7, there is some repentance here. Nehemiah, you know, says, Lord, you know, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you'll hear the prayer of your servant. And then he goes on to say that he confesses the sins of the children of Israel. You know, we've sinned against you. Both myself and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt corruptly against you, Lord, and we haven't kept, we have not kept your commandments, your statutes or your judgment, which were commanded by your servant Moses. So Nehemiah doesn't blame anybody. He doesn't go on, you know, I'm the only one or so-and-so's the only one that did right. He repents and confesses for everyone involved. And that's in Nehemiah chapter one, verses six and seven. And then what I love here in verses eight and nine is that Nehemiah calls God into remembrance of his word which is why we need to know it and hide it down in our hearts when we pray so that we can bring that word back to God. So in verse 8, Nehemiah says, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commanded of your servant Moses, saying that if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad 
among the nations. And absolutely that happened with that captivity in Babylon. Verse 9 says, But if you turn to me and keep my commandments and do them, though you were cast into the uttermost parts of heaven, I will gather them from thence and bring them to a place that I have chosen to set my name there. So, you know what, Lord, you said that if we got ourselves together, that you would bring us back together. Love that. Love that. And we have to call God into what he said in his word, the promises that he made. We also have to be sure that whatever we tell God we're going to do, that we follow up and follow through with that. Then in verse number 10, we're in verses number 10 and 11. Uh, he makes his request. He, meaning Nehemiah, makes his request to God. And he says in verse 10, Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom you have redeemed by your great power. They've come out of captivity and by your strong hand. And verse 11 goes on to say, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear or reverence your name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was a king's cupbearer. So as Nehemiah finishes up in verse number 11, we don't know what went on between verse number 10 and 11. Obviously, uh, we don't learn the plan until the next chapter, but God has laid on Nehemiah's heart exactly what to do. So you see in verse 11 that he prays for mercy or for the king to have mercy on him. So the reason for that is, is that Nehemiah, of course, was the king's cupbearer. And the function of a cupbearer was to taste either for quality, for poison, or <laughs> probably for both to carry, serve wine and food to his master. In a case like that of Nehemiah, the cupbearer was um, not just a personal servant, but a trusted confidant and advisor. In other words, Nehemiah had a lot of responsibility with the job that he held. And we bring this up to say that Nehemiah did not let what was going on in Jerusalem stop him from going to work. Now, in certain situations, obviously, there are times where we need to be off work, where we've got to call out. You know, there are some serious emergency, very heavy situations. And that is one thing. We, as a people of God, we just can't call out for every or sit down on every trial, problem and situation. Otherwise, we wouldn't get anything done. Whatever it is that we do, be it, you know, your job, if you're a homemaker, ministry, school, whatever it is, when things are going on with the help of the Lord, he wants us and expects us to continue our assignments. Unless God says otherwise, we need to continue what it is that he has called us to do. And if you're feeling weak on that, it means more than likely that you're relying on your own strength rather than on God's strength. 
a really good friend of mine, Desiree, says that our strength is limited. God's never, God's strength is never, ever limited. We get weary, but we can go to God and wait on him to renew our strength so that we can mount up with wings like an eagle, that we can run and not be weary, that we can walk and not faint. And that's Isaiah chapter 40. And as a reminder, God's strength is made perfect in a time of weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. So what we want to do when those hard times come with the help of the Lord is to look to the Lord to help us to get through that and to continue doing what he has assigned us to do. And that's going to help us to be even a better witness to those who don't know the Lord. And to those who do, you're going to be an encouragement to them. Amen. Amen. All right, BCU family. So that is going to bring us to the conclusion of this podcast, Nehemiah chapter one. Did God not make some excellent points here? Yes, yes, indeed. I do pray that this study blesses you and more importantly, challenges not you, but all of us, myself included, to change and to come up where God wants us to be. So this was just the basis, y'all. This was just the basis of our study. You've got to come back for Nehemiah chapter 2 because that's when the trouble starts and where you're going to see Nehemiah's tenacity in the face of adversity. And no matter who approved or disapproved, how he kept going. So join us next time we're together and we'll go through Nehemiah chapter 2. So this is Blend from BlendCouragesYou.com. Thanking you all so much for tuning in, reading, sharing, and encouraging us as we encourage you. God bless you. And until the next time we're together, stay on the wall.